What's up, friends? This is No Creamer. I'm Nick Richards, and today I'm doing a solo interview with Westy from Mall Grab Coffee. Uh, very stoked to be doing a interview with him. He is the owner and roaster, creative genius behind Mall Grab Coffee, a passionate skateboarder, and absolutely the biggest fan of The Simpsons that I have ever known. And I say that because <laughs> both orders so far from you have come with more Simpsons inspired swag than I have ever seen uh, in anything else, uh, which is pretty awesome, dude. Um, so I'm yeah. stoked to chat with you, man. Start to be doing this giveaway with you too, dude. It's uh, it seems to be yeah. going really well. Yeah, no, I'm 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 super pumped about it. I love. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for the intro there. Um, I'm definitely a huge Simpsons fan, and like, I don't know, one of the like little extra things that I take a lot of joy in with running Mall Grab is like just finding kind of like weird ways of adding like value to the orders and i just i find like weird simpson stickers or um a lot of times i do pogs or like simpsons trading cards and i just find i just find weird stuff weird simpson stuff on ebay and try to include it in all the orders it was the it was the trading card that got me because i feel like stickers and pens and stuff are a little bit more commonplace to come by but when i yeah <laughs> when i saw the trading card i was like this is awesome man yeah. Yeah. The trading cards are like, they're so cool. And they are like, I don't know. They're surprisingly common, like to get a deck of like, I don't know, 52 of them or something like it's not as much as you think it might be because they've been out of print since, I don't know, maybe even the late nineties, but I okay. guess there's just so many of them around that they're not really, you know, it's not like it's a hundred dollars for a deck of them on eBay. It's pretty affordable. Yeah. I was at a uh, antique shop here in uh, Fort Worth maybe a couple months ago, and this one of the uh, one of the booths had all of these old '80s and '90s tops uh, Star Wars cards, um, which oh, I yeah. had never seen in person, and they're pretty cool, man. But most of the ones, like I was flipping, there had to be a couple hundred. And so after a while, you know, you're flipping through them, and you're like, ah, I'm like, I just kind of want to like find what i'm looking for and i don't know if i have time to flip through you know 500 cards but they were still super cool bunch of the old ones um but yeah man star wars is um as many people who've listened before know is kind of my thing um but i can say that i wanted i want to talk to you about roasting man because that's um you know i've been behind the bar i have worked in the yeah like drink creation process but jason and then um the head roaster from uh, Bongiorno here, uh, which Jason does oh, all Emily. his own beans. Emily, yep. So Jason and Emily are the only other roasters that I've chatted with before. Um, so I just want a kind of big open question here at the front end. What got you into roasting your own coffee or roasting coffee? Or did it start as like a personal thing that moved into something more? Yep, totally. So, I mean, it's honestly, it's, every other person really that's super into specialty coffee is just like one mistake away from going down the same rabbit hole. I went down, <laughs> um, I just started to get interested in coffee. And then like my, my first thing that wasn't like, you know, I had a Keurig even for a long time. And then my first non Keurig brewer was a Chemex. Oh uh, yeah. So the Chemex was my first like non Keurig brewer. And that was the first time I like got started to enjoy like making the coffee as a process versus just like pushing a button. Mm, yeah. Um, and then my next step was naturally to like increase the quality of the coffee that I was having in it. Um, and then not long after that, I moved to Portland, which is 
only going to, you know, make matters worse <laughs> as far as specialty coffee goes. Uh, Absolutely. So I moved to Portland um, from Reno um, and just really started deep diving in specialty coffee. And then um, just was spending a lot of money on it because there's so many great roasters here. Then I oh, was, yeah. went on a mission trip to Mexico and like one of the guys in the van with me was telling me how he roasts his own coffee using a popcorn popper. So then when we got back from building that house down there, I just went goodwill hopping, uh, found a popcorn popper, like an air popper. Um, mm-hmm. and then went to a place in town just called Mr. Green beans, which was kind of like aimed at coffee hobbyists, coffee roasting okay. hobbyists and just started roasting my own and really enjoying the process and like, just kind of being surprised about like that it was actually really good. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the first, the first one that you roasted? I think, yeah, you know, it was a, um, I think it was, uh, Bali. Okay. Uh, I have not had a coffee from there. I don't know why I picked it. Um, and I think honestly, it's the only coffee I've had from there Yeah. still. And it was kind of a weird first experience because the beans were enormous, but I didn't know any (laughs) different. Sure. And like ever since then, every, I'm like, man, those first beans I roasted were just like gigantic. Like, I think, what is the varietal that's famous for being big? Is it the Pacmara? I I could not even tell you. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I think Pacmara, Pacmara, however you say it, I think is kind of known for being like really large beans. Yeah. But like, like if a pea berry bean is like noticeably small, like these beans were like just gigantic. It was, it was super bizarre. Uh, But yeah, I think that's the first, yeah, the first I had was that. So what was the, what was the next step for you? Was it, like a big jump, like I'm going to get maybe, I mean, not maybe necessarily a big jump, but you jumped to like a B more or something like that. Yeah. So then I started, um, I had an idea for, I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial, not like hardcore, but like almost every hobby I do, I like end up turning it into something that's like, <laughs> my hobbies tend to cost money and I don't, have, I've never had like a ton of extra money. So I'm like, my hobby has to sustain itself. He's yeah, like, well, maybe, maybe I can try like selling, selling these beans. So then I had my brother who's a graphic designer. I was like, I just kind of sent him like a word cloud of all the, like the feelings and like vibes I wanted for the brand. Mm-hmm. And like, he just sketched the initial logo and sent me a sketch of it. And I was like, as soon as I saw it, I just liked it so much that I was like, okay, I absolutely have to do this now just because I like the logoing and branding so much that he's doing for it. And that was like summer, early fall of 2019. Is that right? Um, yeah, yep. Yeah, that sounds right. Cause it was, um, yeah, yeah. Not long before, a little bit before August probably. Okay. And then I was, so then I was managing to sell a little bit like here and there and my family and friends and not much online, honestly, but a little bit and then saved up. And then, yeah, the next roster I got into was the B-more. Um, and I was on that thing for a solid year at least. Okay. Um, and then this guy, um, anybody who's on Instagram in the coffee space is, will be familiar with guru Caleb. Mm -hmm. Um, he and I kind of just became friends early on and he lives not far from me. So we'll get together on occasions. Um, but through him, this guy, Josh Williams in the UK, he was like, Hey, I'm looking to do a group by from a small roaster in the U S do you have any recommendations? And Caleb recommended me to him. 
And he put in an order that, you know, for most people would be small, but for me to fulfill on the B-more, it was like a behemoth's <laughs> task to fulfill. Yeah. Um, it was it was so much work and so much roasting and like just ev- everything about it was crazy. Learning how to ship that kind of goods to the UK and how long it mm. would take and just everything about it was insane. But like Josh was just so cool and like patient about it. And I was just like, dude, like the whole point of doing this is to have an impact. Um, and honestly, because of that, that group by, I was able to get the next roaster, which is the one I'm on now, which is an Alio bullet. It's a like okay. elect, electric drum roaster. It's a one kilo roaster. And that's what I've been okay. on for maybe about a year or so now. Nice. Man. <laughs> so what's your, um, I have so many questions. What is your, <laughs> what's like your regular weekly output? What would you say? It's so inconsistent. Honestly, yeah. it's like, I've from the beginning, just with having three kids and a full-time job and, um, like working with, you know, and skate doing skateboarding as a hobby, but also trying to work with kids in it and stuff. I was like, from the beginning, I was like, I can't get into learning how Google ads work and running like a Facebook and a Twitter and this, that, the other. So So much dude. I only do Instagram. Like, like whenever you look at my sales statistics on Shopify, it's like this much of your, you know, sales come from this or the other thing. And that's like, 98% 98% of all my sales come through Instagram. That's just the only thing I monitor or do whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the other 2% is somebody that got to page like 17 of Google. Right. Or, or they like <laughs> knew of it and searched it in Google. That's what uh, I okay. think the other percentages are like, what was that again? And they Google it and they're like, Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, and then I do have one white label account that kind of keeps the wheels turning. Okay. Um, where I basically just, help them decide on what product they wanted as far as the coffee goes. And I roast and bag and seal it for them, but it's their own brand. Okay. Um, and that's that company kind of just keeps the wheels turning on a regular basis. And that output is still nothing crazy. I mean, I don't know, 20, really only like 20 bags a week. So maybe if I'm talking roasted pounds, like 25 max a week for them. Yeah. Um, something that I actually, so you, you mentioned it a little bit there, uh, the skateboarding with kids. So I think that's one of the, the coolest things that I've seen is just like a very, like an obvious support for some type of organization. So on all of your bags, um, it says $1 and it's on your Instagram too, but $1 from every bag goes to skating for kids. Is that, am I saying that part right? I don't have a Yeah, I think skate me. skateboards for kids, I think. I, I've played so, with the verbiage a little bit because I want it to be one sentence, but also not confusing. But yeah, I think that's what it is right now. Um, so what is that, what is that, like the, the practical end result of that? How is that flushing out? So it was, I volunteered at uh, this place in Portland called Skate Church, which was the oldest skate park in Portland. It had been going oh, man. for Tim Mackey's got a... A lot of history there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on, you know, depending on the narrative, I mean, basically that's what led him yeah. to, 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 you know, his path with Christianity. Um, but yeah, he's, he's involved. He's done, he's spoken at fundraisers that we do for it and things like that. He's not like, he's obviously super busy with his own thing now, but like he still right. helps out when he can. That's super cool. But, but yeah, so I've been doing that for the past uh, six years or so ish. Um, so like when that was up and running functionally, it was just like, I would buy stuff and I got like, I'm not like, like as far as skateboarding goes, like, I mean, I'm, I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm not nearly as good as I should be considering what I effort I've put in, (laughs) but I love it. Um, but I, I just know a lot of people and have met a lot of people through 
Instagram and stuff. So like I, I spend the money really well. Like I'm, I'm paying wholesale almost always. Most people okay. when they know what I'm doing. They're like, Oh yeah, well we can sell you seconds or like we have this extra stuff that we can't really put on the shelf. But like, so, so I get a lot of bang for my buck. Yeah. Um, and I literally would just, most of the kids that come in a skate church, like the part of Portland that we're in, um, if they break their board, like they're not just going to their parents and, and their parents aren't just being like, yeah, here's 60 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Another one. Like it's a pretty big investment for them. Yeah. So I could literally just deal it out. How I, how I saw fit. Like if I saw this kid's board is just really gnarly. I'm like, Hey, what size depth do you need? And I could give him one. Nice. Um, I would keep, I would keep completes at skate church and kind of just let everybody know like, Hey, if you see someone who needs this, like you can just give it to them. Like that's what it's here for. Yeah, um, cool. I didn't want to associate it officially, um, just yeah. as a little bit mutually, cause there's just things that get complicated, can get complicated for them as a nonprofit and just absolute reasons. And then also I just wanted to always have the freedom to be like, well, like I can, I can give these out like to whoever Yeah, you can also to, be at a, a whatever shop. Somebody. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how, it, how it's been lately is a little difficult because we lost the place we were in about, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's been a year by now. Um, so I am starting to have a stockpile, but I've got, I've got, uh, plans for how I'm going to start uh, or ideas. Plans is probably too for, formal. I have some ideas for how I want to start that back up again. Cool. Um, but I'll definitely be able to still get the skateboards to kids, which is awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, you could be at whatever shop in Portland or the surrounding areas. Cause I'm sure. I mean, I've even just given them out at parks. Yep. I yeah. even just give them out at skate parks when I'm skating. It's easy to tell someone who could use stuff and like, it's, it's very comfortable conversation. Like it doesn't, people aren't like, how dare you like assume I want free? <laughs> like, you know, there's, you know, they're like right. they're totally down for it. So yeah, it's pretty yeah, easy I mean, to get them out. They're, they're wearing on a board that I'm sure if you're, if you're noticing it, they're noticing the ride quality and they'll be stoked on, on something new. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to ask your favorite shop in Portland. Cause I feel like that's asking, um, you know, just a, a very loaded question. Um, but do you have a couple of shops or a shop that you frequent when you get the chance? Uh, for coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So ones that I frequent though, that's easier. Cause that's not, that's just speaking out of facts. So the ones I go to probably the most are proud Mary. Cause it's pretty my office. Yeah. Um, Water Avenue. Um, that's cause it's really close to where I take my middle son for soccer okay. and then, um, never, never coffee. And that one's, that one's just a personal favorite for a long time. Nice. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about Proud Mary recently. They're yeah. at a shop here in uh, Dallas called Wayward. I'm not sure. If, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah Wayward them partners with them big time. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Favorite Mary is, from them? No, I don't. No, I don't really like. I kind of go through those. I wouldn't say I have a favorite roast. I feel like I kind of like tend towards. You know, my first love coming into especially coffee, like a lot of people, was is like a natural Ethiopia. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I still have a soft spot for those. I lately have been kind of more into washed Ethiopias. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, what I've been loving the most lately is like like non-traditional Colombias and Brazils. Dude, I've got to hand it to you. That Colombia, um, which is the Finca, I think, that you sent over? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, man. Honestly, like I'm not a big fan of like just a general, like I'm not picking a bag of Columbia off the shelf. I loved that, that coffee. It was fantastic. Yeah. I'm yeah. Thanks. I, I'm happy to hear that. I, uh, yeah. 
it roasts. That is my absolute favorite thing to roast right now. It roasts so well. Yeah. Um, it's just very consistent. I feel like I can get, I mean, I can just get exactly what I want out of it every time. I really like roasting that coffee. So what is it about that coffee that makes it easier to roast? Or not easier, not, but uh, like more consistent for you, I guess is the better way to ask. Yeah, I'm not like, you'll find out about how I am as a roaster. I'm not one of the data-driven um, yeah. technical roasters. Um, so I could be way off, but I think, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that a part of it is just the process. So it's watch. Okay. So I think yeah. by design, generally speaking, when I talk to people that are actually are roasters that have formal training and do a lot more volume than me, um, that kind of sets the bar at a, I don't want to say sets the bar low cause it sounds negative, but it, it makes it a lot easier to be consistent just based mm-hmm. on that alone. Um, is there, and then density and size of the beans, I think also have an impact on it. Okay. Is there a particular process that is more, more difficult to have a consistent roast from like is honey or any of these other like kind of funky processes that are starting to make a little bit more of a, a wide release foray into the community of specialty coffee. Are those more difficult? So my experience is still like microcosm compared to, um, you know, big roasteries, but sure. what I've heard from other people that do a lot more volume is that sometimes naturals can be a struggle. I haven't okay. necessarily had that myself. I think the other kind of universal thing I've heard is like a is mm-hmm. more difficult, but it kind of seemed like I got a lot of advice before I did mine. Cause I was really nervous to spend that kind of money on that coffee. And then I'm like, and then what if I can't roast it? Well, and For sure. <clears throat> I got, I mean, I feel like I got two pretty consistent pointers from the handful of people I reached out to. And I was like, oh, well, if you just keep this in mind, then it's, it's just an adjustment. It's not like it's a lot more difficult. Mm. Um, and again, I'm speaking at it from an amateur level. Like if you're talking top, you know, 10% roasters in the country, they probably could be like, you know, when you're an expert at something, you see the intricacies and, you're, and the nuances Absolutely. and you're like, wow, this is a huge difference. But when you don't really know what you're doing in the first <laughs> place, like it's, <laughs> you don't notice as much. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, yeah, I have not, I have yet to try. I've had a couple of people send, um, uh, like send some coffee that they think that I should, I should give a go. And I keep seeing, um, some of these geishas and the, the whoosh whoosh from proud Mary, um, as as coffees to try but i have not had the chance to yet the the price point i mean which is i totally and absolutely respect the price point of those uh considering everything that's involved i just haven't been able to bite the the bullet on it yet Um, yeah that that brings up some really two soup what i think are super interesting topics which i don't i don't know what what all we're going to try to get through but Oh, um, man, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, I, ha- I just had my first wish wish. Um, I think it was actually a Columbia though. Oh, okay. Um, the other day and it was from uh, luminous out of Vegas. Oh yeah. Dude, their packaging. Holy smokes. Yeah. Every time I look at their stuff, I'm just depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's so good. Packaging. It's so amazing. And like, finally, I finally broke down and ordered my first order ever from them and like that yeah. didn't help help matters because it's even better in person than it looks like it is on instagram <laughs> yeah um but it's nice to have something to aspire to and also i just try to remind myself like my goal is to elevate my game and do better but i don't need to be them yeah. but yeah 
anyway, expensive coffees is an interesting concept to me because I think in a lot of ways, and I would love to know what I haven't brought this. I'm going to bring it up on Instagram just to get more people's opinion and hopefully people that know a lot more than me, but I kind of feel like it seems counterproductive to helping the farmers. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is based on what I know, which is not, you know, the most, the people that are able to produce that like super expensive green are sort of the ones that are pretty much doing okay already. Whereas Mm -hmm. the ones who are struggling are the people that aren't necessarily even getting rated in the mid eighties, as far as points Mm -hmm. for their grain. And I kind of feel like it's sort of, I wish there was like a way to be like, let's support these guys that don't have like the setup for like the crazy processing methods, because like, they're just trying to sell what they have. Like they don't even have money to invest in like trying to do like extended fermentation or white wine process or, you know, Mm -hmm. lactic injected naturals or, you know, I mean, it just, it's getting to the point where I feel like you could put any three words together and that's probably one of the new processes that's going to come out. (laughs) Um, And don't get me wrong. I love trying them. And I think, I personally do think they're awesome. Like I am not against them in any way, but I wonder how you could balance it because I just, I'm thinking someone who's struggling to even get their quality of their green up to snuff to export in the first place. Like Mm -hmm. who, how do we support them is what I would, what I'm kind of curious about in a way I've been trying to challenge myself with my green buying, even though it's not, you know, as far as volume, it's not like that significant, but I still want to be as intentional with it as I can. Yeah. I mean, I will say, man, I feel like just a couple of things that you said, I really appreciate the approach that you're taking. One, the thing that you said about Luminous, you know, you're not trying to necessarily be them, just trying to be as good as you can be uh, with what you're working with right now. Um, But then also just being intentional with the way that you're um, approaching everything that you're doing. I think intentionality in areas where people often, uh, you know, it'd it'd be much simpler to just kind of go the easier route. Uh, or the cheaper route, um, and intentionality often brings with it difficulty and higher costs. Um, so I definitely appreciate that uh, from you for sure, man. What I'm gathering from this is that if we keep pushing for these more costly uh, processes as kind of like the norm and expected standard for specialty coffee, um, then the people that are roasting with mid-80s points will have an even harder time getting their, getting their green distributed because, uh, they won't even be able to do the processes that are expected from high end specialty. Is that kind of where you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's, and I know there's a lot that goes into it, but yeah, I think it's kind of like, um, I think the less established farmers and farms, like they aren't set up for that. Mm-hmm. Why for that wild stuff? So it's just, um, yeah, it's just it's just something interesting to keep in mind. I guess it's like yeah. lifting up, trying to lift up the voices and make make the impact the most where you can. Because I think it's cool because I'd, I'd say for the most part, people totally care about where the dollar is ultimately going, and yeah. they're like, yeah, I don't mind paying as long as it. But I think I want to say it was a, a podcast I was listening to where Jim. Um, gosh dang it, what's his last name? You know, famous, famous UK gym with the hair and glasses. Oh, oh my gosh, man. Um, uh, everyone knows <laughs> who we're talking about. Yeah, Everybody knows who we're talking about. Um, anyway, he was getting interviewed on some podcasts, and I'm, I thought, 
I, I might be misquoting him, but I believe he's the first person who made me think about it. And he said something to the effect of like, yeah, we snap all that stuff up as green buyers, but then mm -hmm. that's only 10% of what they have to offer. And then they're like, Hey, that's great that you wanted to pay me like a ton of money for the top 10% of my crop. But like, that doesn't make a living for me. Like I still got 90% mm -hmm. of my grain. I need to sell to somebody. Yeah. And I was that sentence that I'm, you know, maybe attributing to the wrong person, maybe not quoting directly has stuck with me for a long time because I've heard it, I heard it months ago. And I was like, that's like a super good point. Like it's cool that we're paying them so much for the really high end stuff. But if that's only represents like 10% of their total, like no matter how much we're paying for it, it's still only 10%. Like that doesn't get them to next year. Yeah. Um, so you, I just thought it was kind of fascinating. Yeah. I'm trying, like, as you were talking, I was trying to remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I cannot yeah. remember his, his last name. Yeah. Um, That's cool. It's going to make both of us look really knowledgeable. <laughs> it really, it really is. <laughs> I, I feel like the video that I just saw was like, can the, his full name, uh, make a coffee that as like a non coffee drinker, I'll actually enjoy or something along those lines. I cannot believe I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name. <laughs> Oh well, um, it's kind of fun actually. I sort of enjoy it. Yeah, I was, about I was to, like, I'm going to look it up really quick, and I was like, I don't care enough to do that. I was about to pick up my phone and just like log on to YouTube because I know it'll be right there. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm trying to do better at not knowing all the time and not uh, picking my phone up just to immediately have an answer. Yeah, um, it's sort of like a fun little mystery that you're just waiting to be surprised by when your brain solves it. That's exactly. That's right. what his name was. Yeah, two hours from now when I'm laying <laughs> down, like almost asleep, it's going to trigger, and then I'm like, ah, perfect. Yeah. Um, talking about you know green coffee and and purchasing and whatnot, have you experienced any uh, challenges with uh, purchasing coffee? Notice anything with the way that that market is shifting, kind of in our our current uh, cultural climate with everything going on? Yeah. So the first challenge that I had that I'm like, it still frustrates me semi-regularly, but I'm getting used to navigating it is like, it's really hard to find someone, which I don't blame them for at all. You have to be yeah. set up for it, but it's hard for me to find someone that can work with me in the quantities I need because they're so small. Mm. Uh, um, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like some, in some cases, it's like, if you're not getting like a pallet or at least a half pallet, like they just, you know, honestly, they're just not set up for it. And that's not their fault. I don't hold that against them. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> the other common thing is like, if they can't go smaller than a full bag, because generally speaking, in my experience, a full bag is about 166 pounds. Okay. And like, um, <clears throat> that's a lot of upfront investment for me. And it yeah. also takes me quite a while to get through that. Um, <clears throat> so really anyone who's willing to go smaller than a full bag is what kind of my sweet spot is. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I've been at it for a couple of years now, like I'm a little bit better at finding and tracking that down <clears throat> every yeah. once in a while, like I'll see or come across something that I'm like, man, I would love to carry that. But it, and then I like, there's just not a way to do it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> has one, the cost one, of, oh, go ahead. No, you got it. I was going to ask you if the, if the cost of green coffee has, has gone up significantly in the last couple of months. It's not started to hit me yet. Um, okay. I wonder if there's just a backlog of what we already have on hand. Uh, yeah. Um, cause I do keep seeing that concern come up. So yeah. I'm interested to see when it'll trickle down to the level I'm at, but hmm. I would say I'm already paying a lot more 
per pound than like an actual roast would pay just due to volume. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't get the same volume discounts, which again, I, I'm not complaining. They've got to make a living. So if right. someone's willing to work with me on the volume, I don't really give them a, I'm not really stressed about, well, how much am I paying per pound? Because it's just the way I'm set up right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, are you a roaster by night? Is that kind of how this, yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. How roaster by you? night. Yep. Roaster yeah. by night or, or on the weekends, but even on the weekends, it's still at night. So yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Uh, so I wanted to take a little, cause we chatted about this briefly, uh, over DMs before we started the episode, but you went and saw Dune and then you threw up, uh, an Instagram stories question on, on Dune and what people were thinking about it. What did, what did you think about the movie? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I did. I did enjoy Dune. Um, I think I, uh, so one of my main, like my number one main hobby for a long, for a lot of years was film. Um, okay. I did a lot of it in college and I was just, I would write amateur reviews and I had a blog and I was just like super hardcore about it. Cool. And one At one point when I was really into it, um, like I saw a trailer that like basically it was like, I can't remember. I really wish I could remember specifically which movie it was and I can't anymore, but it was essentially, it was a thriller and they like gave it away, like the whole thing in the trailer. <laughs> so yeah. then I was like, never again. So like, I haven't watched a trailer for a movie like in years. I just refuse to watch a trailer. And then I've gotten a little even more extreme. And it's like, if I know something's coming out that I think I'm interested in, I automatically mm-hmm. stop learning anything about it. Yeah. So somehow when I, walked in to do to dune i didn't realize that it was a part one um i, I didn't either because i was doing okay same same as you i had a really awful experience with uh i don't need to like share my opinion on the sequel trilogy but uh someone did like a super deep dive on the force awakens trailer that uh right before it came out and i watched that and they were really really close to a lot of points in the movie and it bummed me out because I'm sitting there in the movie and I'm like, the, tra- the trailer analysis said this was about to happen and it just did. I knew I wanted to watch Dune with like a very, like, didn't watch any interviews or any breakdowns or anything. So similar to you, I get in there, it throws up the part one. I'm like, oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many actors involved that I'm made me interested. I'm going to watch any movie that I'm not going to know how to say the guy's name, but Denis Villeneuve knew. Mm, yeah i don't know how to say the director's name any movie he makes for the rest of eternity i'm going to be watching it anyway so i don't really need to know anything (laughs) else about it um but like okay so world like for for setting up the world and like set design the acting the direction the score in particular i really like Mm. Um, yeah hans zimmer knocked it out of the park yeah I really liked everything about it. It's just hard for me to reconcile the fact that I watched a movie and all it was was a setup. Yeah. Um, That is a struggle for me to figure out how I feel about it. The closest thing uh, that I've been able to kind of like compare it to in my head is like if you didn't know that Lord of the Rings was going to be a trilogy release and you went and watched Fellowship and you're like, uh, what? how where's this going what's what's gonna happen because you just get frodo and sam in the in the boat and that's it right Um, yeah so then you're like you know what in the world is gonna happen that's the closest thing i've been able to think of in my head for um for the way that i felt because it certainly wasn't the same as like watching harry potter 
um, where, you know, you just get like a very complete one year cycle of a story type thing going on. Right. Yeah. Like uh, they can stand alone other than the last two, they stand alone. Right. Um, but, yeah. It reminds me, I mean, since you brought up Lord of the Rings, it is the best trilogy that there is. Yeah. But, um, and I realize I'm saying this to a Star Wars fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it also reminded me of, uh, I mean, not quite this jarring, but it it was it still was pretty jarring. I feel like it reminded me of the end of the second Matrix. Oh man, it's been a minute since I've seen the second Matrix. Um, it's like the second Matrix. It's been a while for me too, but I just remember how jarring it was when it ended. I feel like it it was almost the equivalent of ending mid sentence. Yeah, um, it was just so. I was like, "What the heck is what's going on here?" So. <laughs> Also, I think in general for, for cinema and TV shows, like starting strong isn't really that uncommon. Ending mm-hmm. strong is what almost no one ever does. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited, to be honest. I really liked it, um, but I'm really skeptical if they're going to be able to end it strong because it's just so rarely done. Yeah, I I definitely, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed so much of the movie. I, have you read it? I have not read it, no. And I never saw the old one either. So I didn't see the old one. I'm uh, equally into the book as where the movie left off, which was kind of fun. Um, oh, okay. But I, I've got to say, uh, Denise, or I don't know how to say his name accurately. I, I think I feel like he's French because yeah, I feel I like his so. name feels French to me. Um, We're experts on that. Big <laughs> French French language experts. Yeah, uh, show us your name, and we'll tell you what country you're from. <laughs> he did a phenomenal job of taking an incredibly complicated world and staying really close to it while also making a, a, uh, taking it to a different medium and making it digestible. The book, I tried to read the book. Uh, I don't know, man, maybe a decade ago. Um, and it was, I'm 30 and it was just, it was just too, it was too much for me at the time. Uh, as far as like, there's so many different words and concepts and everything that don't have any explanation to it. You're just kind of thrown in in a way that, you know, feels like you should understand what's going on, but you, you kind of got to learn as you, as you read type thing. And I just wasn't down for that at the time. Yeah. Um, but no, he did a phenomenal job of pulling uh, a world that is incredibly complicated and, and putting it in a different medium, like the, um, those floating orbs that you saw, uh, going around, those are brought up, lit, lit stuff up. Yeah. Uh, those are brought up quite often in the book and he just did a great job of bringing that to the screen. But I think the, uh, the Gom Jabbar scene, um, with Paul and the, the head of the, I don't know if she's the head of the Bene Gesserit, but the, the lady where she puts the, his hand in the box, Oh yeah, um, yeah. like that scene alone, it was done so well. Um, and in relation to the book, it was almost a, a scene for scene, uh, pullover. So that was pretty cool to see. But anyway, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm excited to, to see where they go. I definitely hope and, uh, trust that he'll do a good job, um, with it, but it's definitely a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, I'm definitely optimistic. I mean, he has not made a bad film yet. So is he yeah. officially attached to direct the next one? He's officially attached, and then uh, okay. Timothy um, Chalamet, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he's, so. 
he's in the actress for Lady Jessica uh, Zendaya, which would make sense for her to stay in it uh, since she only yeah. had like. <laughs> I don't want to give any spoilers away, but she was really not a part of the movie until about the last ten minutes or so. No, I feel I feel like the cast is a foregone conclusion. I would just be more nervous that the director would change, but if he's already uh, connected, yeah. I feel better. Yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to uh, wax poetic about the complications of switching directors inside of a, a movie trilogy. Yeah, you don't want to get started <laughs> on that for the Star Wars. <laughs> don't don't want to get started on that for the Star Wars. Are you a Star Wars? Star Wars. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm on record in the other podcast that I do. Um, with I was going to bring that up. That, yeah. yeah, that's p- p- pretty offensive to Star Wars fans. Um, <laughs> I don't. Honestly, man, I I can take it i don't mind at all i like star wars i think the latest trilogy is my favorite i could really i could watch only that one and never see any of the others again for all i care um so fascinating the prequels are genuinely painful um the prequel (laughs) trilogy is like it hurts me especially the third one i can get through but the first two are just like i don't know i don't know it just makes me so sad to think about it even Attack of the Pons um, is one of the, the hardest of the Star Wars films for me to watch. Uh, it is the rarest one for me to, to have in a circulation, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Jar Jar Binks is a great character. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're on a phone uh, call and I can still, still feel the sarcasm in the air. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. There's, I mean, since we, here, you'll find I do this a lot. There's a Simpsons episode that's all about that trilogy and in particular has some really funny references to Jar Jar Binks and how bad of a character he is and like what was in uh what's the director's name what was in his head whenever he was like making it up and it has like some funny jokes about how he writes a movie like what his process is it's a really great episode <laughs> that's um, awesome but yeah i love i love the the latest trilogy is my favorite um, yeah i'm biased because i'm a giant Ryan Johnson fan uh, okay um, but yeah, he, I, really, I mean, that is to me the most watchable of the sequel trilogy. And I feel like the issue that most people that claim to be hardcore Star Wars fans had with it, and it's totally fine. I mean, they can have the issue if they want to, was they didn't understand how their hero Luke could have gone in such an opposite direction. And I feel like he took a much more humanized approach to a much more fantastical character uh, that made him a little bit more um, realistic to me. Yeah. It's very real to think that someone would have trauma and issues and all those sorts of things and decide to pull away from society because they feel like they've failed and they can't reckon with it. than it is for someone to just continue to be the epitome of, you know, uh, heroism for their entire life totally and and i agree i think again i know i'm biased but i i agree i think the one he directed is is the best of the bunch yeah um i will say my one last thing on dune the thing that i've enjoyed as a star wars fan watching dune is that um and i i slightly attribute this to a friend that said it to me but i completely agreed with him um star wars was released and kind of conceptualized um, 
as a film, but also was supported by so much merchandising that it felt like every future film and adaptation and everything had to have some character that could be merchandised out of it. And what I appreciated about doing and watching it is that like even those glowing orbs, for example, they didn't make that into some like cutesy character that they could make a plush and sell to kids. Like, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's such yeah. a, I don't know, it's a, a breath of fresh air in the sci-fi space. Um, you, re- you referenced the Simpsons a second ago for the star Wars episode. I'm curious with your affinity and just familiarity with the Simpsons, when someone brings it up to you, is there like, is there, I don't, how many episodes are there now? Uh, I don't in the know, hundreds like thousand. Yeah. Is there an episode that stands out in your mind as like one of the all time greatest? Totally. Um, one of, so a lot of people agree that the Conan O'Brien days is kind of the heydays of the Simpsons. And a lot of people don't even know that he was so involved with the Simpsons. Hmm. Um, yeah, no but he was, he was crazy involved, um, for a few seasons. And I think, I think the writing is mostly attributed to him. It's hard for me to imagine that any episode is written solely by one person. I just, it's yeah. difficult for me to imagine that's the process, but Marge versus the monorail is kind of like generally agreed to be, I mean, if you Googled and looked at 10 different top 10 episode lists, I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if you found any that didn't have that episode on the list. Okay. Um, it's yeah. Marge versus the monorail is definitely one of the best ones. Nice. Um, and then, you know, just with the time of year being what it is, uh, all the Treehouse and horror is kind of a, like a super awesome, like microcosm of the Simpsons. It's kind of like its own separate thing, but they just do such a good job of, like, you know what you're getting into, and they kind of, there's a consistency to them over the years. Like, mm-hmm. they're kind of, you know, there's always three three stories in a single episode. So it's kind of like fantasy, episodic, like, departure. Yeah, yeah. So, like, whatever happens in the Treehouse of Horror has no bearing on what else is going on in the world, and it's not realistic, whatever that word means in The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I love those. Um, in particular, I think it's Treehouse of Horror... I believe it's 13, um, which is also one of my biggest things I hold up as proof whenever people are like, nothing's good after season 10. Um, But it's the one that's got um, Homer gets a gypsy curse on him as the first one. And then the second one is where they have the smart house that tries to kill them. That's voiced by Pierce Bronson. And then the third one is (laughs) is a riff on Harry Potter. And like all three of those, the whole episode, the episode as a whole, is fantastic, and each one of those mini stories within it are just—it just makes me laugh, no matter how many times I've seen it. That's awesome. The Simpsons was never like a cartoon that I was familiar enough with, and I feel like it's at the point where um, you, as a as a fellow dad, know that time is uh, is very spare and uh, for you know media consumption. Uh, totally. So it feels like The Simpsons is so far in that I would want to watch all of it if I started it. And I just don't know if I if I have the time. I mean, or if I started, it would just be, you know, a multi-year process for me to get through. Totally. It's been wonderful that Disney bought them because I've got Disney Plus since I have kids. Oh, yeah. Um, so I can watch any of them anytime. I mean, I'm so familiar with them now that, it, like... I can watch them or have them be white noise either way. Um, yeah. works for me, but yeah, it's a lot. It's intimidating to get into. I agree. I, I didn't, I didn't even get into it until college. Cause, um, 
it's a combination of not really having access at my home slash like my family might not necessarily have been down for that anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I got, I got into them pretty late um, yeah. compared to how long it's been running, but. Well, I want to, I have two more questions to, to throw your way for the episode. Um, yeah. Or I guess, I guess three, cause we've got yeah. name that drink that I get to bring back. Um, nice. What's your, what's your biggest goal for mall grab uh, in this year or in the next year? Um, and the next year, like I want to do more collaborations. So like one of the collaborations as part of the giveaway is, uh, that louse that I did with, uh, edge coffee. And that's like, that's been my favorite thing I've done period to date. Just like Willie and all the guys at edge have been like, so freaking awesome. And like, I don't, it's just been like, it's been like almost weird, like surreal that people are like, yeah, I don't, yeah, you don't, you don't you're not a Q grader. Like you don't know what you've never been taught how to roast. Like it's just you, <laughs> all you just like, nobody cares about any of that. Um, it's like super weird. And then it was fun to like source and plan a coffee like together. Cause yeah. there's a lot of benefits to being a solo act, meaning I never have to get consensus, but like sometimes you like want to work on something with somebody. Uh-huh. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Um, and it just went really well. It was another difficult logistic thing for me. Like, Cause they carried it in their Florida shop and their North Island shop at the same time. So like planning the logistics of that and the shipping and uh, it was, it was difficult, but it was super rewarding. Um, so just, yeah, yeah, more collaborations and like, in in that, like I would love to collaborate with more like bigger companies mm-hmm. than me, which is most of them. But I also would love to find ways to collaborate with place other people where like I can be a lift to them because yeah, that does huge things for me when someone's willing to collaborate and work with me. Yeah. I mean, on, on that note, I mean, we're a a fairly small, uh, show at this point compared to other podcasts. So whenever you were down for the collaboration, dude, I was, I was very stoked. Um, cause there's some local roasters that have been, uh, like Jason, um, and Bongiorno that have come on and done episodes, but for you to be all the way up in, up in Portland, uh, was pretty cool to me. So, I'm stoked to to be doing that, uh, and definitely appreciate the um, just the I don't know how cool you've been about everything. It's been very yeah, man, I mean, which has been awesome. Yeah, I love it. I just so many people have done that for me already, just in the brief period of time of doing it, and I'm like, that's like the number one thing I want to do is like if somehow if for some reason working with me is like benefit to someone else, then I want to do it. That's cool, man. Um, all right, last question before I jump into name that drink. Uh, this one's a little bit on coffee, but could go somewhere else. So however you want to take it. Um, I want to ask you if just kind of the, um, very specific kind of slow roll process of roasting coffee and just kind of the attention that that asks of you has roasting coffee taught you, uh, a skill set or uh, a mentality that you've applied to any other areas in your life? Yeah. So, I'll try to just, uh, just because I, I like to, I'll just briefly touch on what my mindset or methodology or whatever you call it for roasting. So, like, one interesting thing that happened is since I'm self-taught um, with help from others, but, like, not, like, no formal training or classes on an actual roaster. Um, since I learned on the popcorn popper, like, you know, that's not plugged into a computer, obviously, and it doesn't really have mm-hmm. temperature output. So, like, I got really familiar with, like, roasting by senses meaning like the color of the bean 
when the chaff is coming out, the smell of the bean, um, the sound of the crack. Um, so I've kind of stuck with that, even though I've gotten the opportunity now, like on the bullet to plug into software, like I will use it sometimes, but like, um, I don't, I don't mean for it to sound like cocky, but like if, if I think it's something supposed to happen at a certain point, like temperature or whatever it is, and Mm -hmm. it's not like, I trust my senses and my gut more than I trust the readout. Um, and that might be partially due to like my tools not being professional grade. I don't know. But so like, I'm more about like, if I feel like the bean isn't done yet, then I'm going to go longer. Or if I feel like it already is done and it's supposed to have four more minutes, I'm going to drop it anyway. Hmm. Um, as far as what you asked for application outside of roasting, I mean, the main thing is like, <laughs> the main thing I've done so much with mall grab is like commit to something now and figure out how to do it later. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I've done every step of the way for like everything. And, you know, at one point I'm going to do that to the degree where I'm going to fail for sure. Uh, but so far, you know, I've been able to figure it out and I've been doing it with people who are gracious enough to let me figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely like my thing that I'm getting more comfortable with. And the thing I would say, you know, you know, believe in yourself and you can do anything like that to me is like yucky sounding, but right. I would definitely say most people can do a lot more than they think they can. Hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people, myself included, um, want to have a lot of ducks in a row before they start doing something. And, um, there is a part of the learning curve that only happens when you actually start the doing. And I think that that's, you know, what you're, what you're speaking on a little bit there is just the, um, you gotta, you've gotta, you've gotta do in order to learn because there's some yeah. things that you cannot learn in the process unless you, unless you start working at it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I like, I don't know who it would be attributed to, but I'm a big fan of the phrase like done is better than perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's true. I mean, you know, there's always exceptions, but I think that's a really good guideline in general. Yeah, man. Well, um, I'm stoked to bring this segment back. We have kind of a interesting time doing it when it's just the, me and the other, uh, me and Ben and Josh, cause it's just the three of us. Um, so it can get a little repetitive, but for name that drink, do you have, and I, I feel like there's a couple of things that I could pull from here for expectations, but do you have a favorite character from, uh, Simpsons or Lord of the Rings or any other, uh, medium of, of entertainment that you enjoy? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, for Simpsons, as much as I love the show, like my answer is like super basic. It's just Homer. He's my favorite yeah. for sure. Um, and Lord of the Rings is hard because like I grew up on the books and, oh, okay. and you know, the movies came later and I love yeah. the movies. Um, so I kind of feel like I do love the movies, but I feel like how some characters are portrayed, like it's a little bit of a challenge, like for the mm-hmm. answer, but I, I, I'm, re- I'm really partial to Boromir, even though he didn't get, um, even though his amount of screen time is not significant in the movies, but yeah. yeah uh, a, a small aside. Do you listen to the friendship onion? The friendship onion? Yeah. No, I don't think so. What is that? That's uh Mary and Pippin's podcast. No, no. It's it all about awesome. stuff. Yeah, it comes in every now and then, but it's the two of them really just like chopping it up. And dude, you, I mean, it's fantastic. They've done episodes with, um, they had Elijah Wood on there. They've done episodes with a couple other like key characters. 
Um, That's awesome. Stephen Colbert, which I didn't know until they interviewed him, is like a huge Lord of the Rings fan. So awesome. it's fantastic. Friendship Bunny, yeah. dude. You got okay. to check Maybe it out. Check that out. Um, okay, so Homer. Homer, <laughs> this yeah. picture, This picture in my mind is hilarious to even say the sentence. Homer is strolling through uh, downtown Portland and uh, comes across uh, Heart Coffee. What is he going to order if he, if he walks in? So... In typical Simpson fan fashion, I can give you the answer from the show. Okay. Um, one of my favorite Simpson coffee moments is he goes to this place that's not called Starbucks, but it clearly is supposed to be Starbucks. And yeah. he says, he goes up to order and he says, can you give me one of those coffees that's actually a milkshake? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's his answer. Uh, he he wants one of those coffees that's actually a milkshake, <laughs> and I just think I don't know that that's a new episode too. That's a super new episode, and I just think it's a perfect picture of how they still they say so much with just like a few words. It's yeah, like everybody says they love coffee or they love Starbucks or they love whatever it is, but it's like they're actually just ordering like these frappuccinos that are mostly sugar and probably don't even have any coffee in them which i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it it's just like right. saying i love coffee is not the same thing as drinking a frappuccino that's right um <laughs> so i think that's what he would want he'd want them to give him one of those coffees that's actually a milkshake that's awesome do you do you do any uh simpsons impersonations for your kids <laughs> no not really okay. i'm uh i'm chomping at the bit we, we, they don't watch it yet uh, oh, okay I'm chomping at the bit to share that with them, but yeah. um, I think I don't know. We got we got to figure out how we're going to do that. But yeah, we, they don't they don't yet, and I don't I don't. It's funny because they're they're all so enamored with it, and they've never even seen one episode, but they, yeah. they love it already. They just always yeah. are talking about it, or they see anything. It's like I'll get this little swag stuff that I'm going to start sending out, and they always want to have one of them for them, and <laughs> yeah, they just all love it. Between that and Tech Decks, that's like their main things. Oh, man, Tech Decks. What a time, dude. I remember the first one that I had and bringing it to school, and you know, you, you just wanted to I'm, – like I'm not familiar enough with skating to get any of this right, but I think like a, any type of grind uh, that you do like on the side of your desk, well, I was just yeah. – you know, I was all about it for – for a couple of years. I thought that was the coolest thing to have. Yeah, it's funny because I wasn't, I, I didn't ever care about tech decks. Like, I don't know, like, I just was, I really loved skateboarding. I didn't start skateboarding until high school and I loved it. Oh, like, wow. That's what I did with my free time, but I just never, I don't know if it's since I didn't like fall into it as a kid, if that's why I never cared about them or what. But then yeah. once I had kids, I was like, that's the easiest way to kind of get them interested in it. So, yeah. We probably have like at least fifty right now. <laughs> are they are they like I don't know as dangerous as Legos on the floor or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, and there's plenty yeah. of Legos too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's so many Legos. Yeah, but there's a whole basket full of tech decks and little tech deck ramps and rails and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Wesley, dude, very uh, much appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, if people aren't able to just search for mall grab coffee and Instagram and figure out where your social handle is, where can people uh, find you and order coffee from you? Yeah. If you, it's mallgrabcoffee.com. And if you just, if you Google mall grab coffee, you're not probably going to get that many results. I'm pretty sure it'll be right there. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, I love, thanks for having me on. It's a blast. I love, I love being on podcasts. Um, it's just, I just enjoy it. So I, yeah, yeah thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
Absolutely, man. Uh, and if you're listening to this episode, the day that it comes out, November 1st, this is the last day to enter our giveaway for uh, a full dripper setup with a origami dripper, the holder, a uh, Kalita 500 milliliter decanter, and a bag of Columbia and a bag of that Laos, which is the Edge collaboration from Malgrab. So make sure if you're listening to this today and you haven't entered the giveaway yet, then you jump over to our Instagram uh, and uh, enter. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Well, dude, thanks again. As always, no coffee was harmed in the making of this episode because this is No No Creamer. Creamer.